You're listening to The Private Citizen, podcast for critical thinkers. This is episode 126 for Wednesday, the 5th of October, 2022. The Scourge Fear-Based Journalism. Hello everybody, my name is Fab. I'm coming to you live from Düsseldorf in Germany. Yes, we're back again on a Wednesday, normal release schedule. Um, and live uh, recording recording this and streaming the recording on Twitch, um, which which wasn't possible um, last last week um, because Twitch wouldn't, wouldn't wouldn't let me go live, um, which is a bit 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 of a problem. But uh, or was, but you know, I I just recorded the show offline and and put it out as soon as possible. Um, I can't want to do that live because that was kind of like you know last week was kind of like a almost breaking news topic uh, with the Nord Stream stuff. But anyway, that's the way it goes. Um, I'm back. And um, today we will talk about a topic that I've had on my list of topics for months now. Um, I want to talk about what I see the biggest problem in journalism. I've talked about journalism on the show before. And I think this is is very important and something that um, actually influences all of our lives more than most people think because um just to um you know have a little um i don't know maybe a little teaser uh for the end of what i'm what i'm going to say at the end of the show um i think most people have well many people think they have a solution for this which is just not um you know, listening to the media anymore, not consuming any journalism or, or little of it, which I can understand. Um, I can understand the impetus, but that doesn't solve the problem because basically the problem is so bad uh, that it. I think it's uh, this is this isn't hyper this isn't hyperbole. I think it is destroying our our, our society, um, and it will do that whether you uh, consume any journalism or not. Um, I'm going to explain today why I think that is. Um, but before we get into the topic at hand, um, I wanted to mention something um, that I've done. I've, I get asked, um, so a lot of the people who listen to the show will know that years ago I used to do a podcast called, called Linux Outlaws with a friend of mine called Dan Lynch. Um, it was a Linux, Linux podcast and it was very popular and many people even today tell me they think it was the best Linux podcast there ever was. Um and I often get asked, where are the old episodes? Well, they are on the hard drives. They're on my backups, uh, but they are on, on very cold storage backups. And um, yeah, people have, have always asked me, can't you put them online? And people have suggested, of course, the uh, Internet Archive. Um, so I've started doing that now just because people kept asking me for it. And I kind of feel responsible um, to do that. So I uh, have started uploading some episodes to the Internet Archive, you can. I've, I've also created a page on my website fab.industries um, where you can, with direct links, um, you can go there. Um, I mean, if you go to the show notes at privatecitizen.press, uh, you will find the show notes of this episode. There be, will be links to everything I mentioned. But I've I've also uh, reactivated an old domain that we used to have, that is uh, outlawarchives.com. Outlawarchives.com. If you go there. It's a, for now, it's a simple redirect from my um, domain hoster, which doesn't support HTTPS. So 
Uh, I'm sorry for that. But if you if you um, just so if you have to specify specify HTTP outlawarchives.com. But if you go there, you get redirected to my website fab fab.industries, which is of course fab industries is um, fully uh, TLS encrypted. So you get HTTPS there. Uh, there are only um, I think three episodes on there. Actually, I'd, I'd have to check. Um, yeah, so far I only uploaded the first three episodes. Um, it'll be slow going. I need to dig them out out of backups manually and kind of do that in my spare time. So I just wanted to mention some people still have a nostalgic hankering for those episodes. Uh, I listened into the the first episode again, and uh, I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, oh, it was early days, man. It was early days. Um, yeah, that that was two thousand and seven. That was quite a while ago. Um, but anyway, you know, some people have asked for it, and um, so I shall shall endeavor to get those episodes up there. Um, but with that, I think uh, we should uh, we should now uh, talk about the topic that we wanted that I that I wanted to talk about today, which is um, fear based journalism. <laughs> So, um, fear-based journalism. Um, maybe I should do a quick explainer for people who are new to the show. Um, you know, there are always, always new people listening, so I, I guess uh, this would make sense. Um, first of all, I should explain that I, I am a journalist. I'm currently a freelance journalist. I used to work in uh, in, a, in a publishing company, relatively big publishing company. Um, well, at the time, it was the biggest um, magazine uh, IT magazine in Europe, I think, um, probably still is. Might be in the world now with the way uh, you know editorial offices are shrinking. Um, yeah, and I, I worked for a smaller publishing company before that, and so I got a little bit of experience with uh, with how things uh, work. Of course, I've never worked in a big um, you know newspaper or a big magazine, uh, you know. Uh, as we call it, we call it in Germany, light media, you know, the the mainstream um, publications. But I, I have, I, you know, especially when I lived in Hamburg, I was, I got um, into quite a few networks, and I know quite a few journalists, and I've visited certainly a lot of offices and editorial uh, companies and stuff like that. So um, I, um, yeah, I, 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 I maybe I. I can I go as far as saying I know what I'm what I'm what I'm what I'm talking about? Well, not when it comes to using microphones, obviously, <laughs> constantly bumping into them. But you know, in um, when, when it comes to to journalism, and you know, I've, I've had about ten years um, of experience with this kind of thing now, and I went into journalism in the beginning um, to make things better. Um, I when I decided I would become a journalist, I, I you know when I. When I left school, I, I wanted to be a journalist, and then um, I started uh, study at university, and then I quickly, well, didn't study journalism, because I didn't think that was a good idea. Um, I still don't think so. But um, I, I very quickly became um, jaded and thought, maybe you want to do something else, and I actually um, was on my way to do other things, um, especially, you know, go into, into computers and stuff. Um, but... Um, you know, as 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 life sometimes um, throws you a curveball, I had an opportunity and I tried to 
you know, I, I thought, why not? You always wanted to be a journalist, so let's try it. But from the beginning, I went into this as somebody who saw the problems that existed in the industry, so to speak, and I did want to go there to change it. You know, that's, I feel often, um, I mean, for many people, that is a, uh, well, certainly not for everybody or maybe not the majority of people, but there, I think there's a sizable amount of people in any given profession that see things and, and think I, I could do that better um that's that you know let let me try and and that you know that was me and ever since then i've um had kind of that's been kind of one of my missions you know i've been very interested in like the matter um topics of, of journalism and, and how how um, stories get published and how the whole media circus so to speak works i've always been very interested in that and um that has, that has never changed so it's one of my uh, pet peeves certainly and um i've talked about it on the show previously i mean the show kind of evolved you know it it started very much as a privacy show but i feel we have other issues that you know while i'm still very interested in those problems i'm, I'm also interested in a lot of political problems these days because i kind of overshadow everything you know if if um if a nuclear war breaks out you know who cares about data privacy really um and i think journalism is a you know the way that journalism works these days is a big contributor and and you know creates or facilitates a lot of the problems we're actually having in our daily lives and um, i think that's a shame because i think generally um certainly i became a journalist to you know do the opposite um i became a journalist not because um you can earn a lot of money by not working very much or earn a lot of money anyway um or because it's so fun or so relaxing a job um i became a journalist because i um you know i think it's it's a worthwhile cause like the way the way i see it the 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 you know the very if you the very high if you look at you know what what do you do as a journalist from a very very high level um your calling so to speak um i think is to inform people you know to give people accurate information and by that to make their lives better you know to uncover things that are not going the way they should in in society um to um help voters uh in 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 a democracy make the right choices and you know kind of keep politicians on edge to um minimize the um the problems and the the issues that arise when for example companies have too much power um in a, a capitalist system um all these kind of things and you know i i became an it journalist and you know i didn't write about political topics so i'm just on the fringes of that but i think a good journalist no matter what they write about you know they they, they might be restaurant critics they might write about cars or video games it doesn't matter i think their goal should be to um to serve in my case their readers or their the or the, 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 the you know listeners the audience to serve their audience right they should they the audience is their customer uh and they should 
if they're paying for the content or not, you know, they're, they're paying it for it in, in some way. Um, they, you know, that, that, that should be their goal, right? And yeah, I, I just wanted to say that in the beginning. So, so, you know, where I'm coming from now, when I, when I thought, well, let's finally do this episode about fear-based journalism, which is a straightforward thing. I mean, that's, that's a term that's been used quite a lot. It's not such a media inside thing anymore. Um, I thought, well, we'll have to have like a story or something where I can explain what I'm talking about. And then this week, the perfect story came along. Um, and and we'll, we'll see what that is, is in a bit. But maybe maybe before I talk about that, maybe I talk a little bit about what what do I mean and what do other people mean um, when they're talking about fear-based journalism? So I feel that these days, journalists, um, and I mean this, this is a generalization, right? There are many of my colleagues who, who don't do this and who fight against this as much as I do. But I feel if you look at everybody um, who's working as a journalist, I think the, the majority um, is included when I say this, right? I think journalists these days are less concerned with is a story true or finding out as much truth as they can, as much facts about a topic um, that they write or talk about. Um, but generally, they're rather more interested in how much clicks um, their story or their podcast or, you know, whatever uh, they do generates. And they have figured out or middle management in in publishing companies has figured out um i think generally also somewhat intuitively um not like this isn't like a, a theory somebody came up with and then everybody took seminars and they're like this is how we can make more money i think intuitively people figure out that um i mean by figure out, i mean this generally People figured this out because of because of the internet, right? Because of you can now see exactly what people are um, reading. But I'll I'll get to that. So they figured out that that strong emotions um, get people to read things, watch things, and um, you know that that makes the story stick. That makes lots of, lots of people read it, click on it, share it with their friends, watch a television, um, you know, um, maybe a, a show or whatever or a segment. Um, if it if it evokes emotion, um, it 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 has reach, right? People will watch it, will read it, and it's pretty clear that the stronger the emotion, the better this works. Now, the strongest emotion of all is fear. I think that's um, I'm not a psychologist, and I can't really tell you why, but it's probably an evolutionary thing. Fear is fear is important, right? Fear is. Um, useful to us i actually watched uh, what's this a star trek voyager episode um where they there, there's some people <laughs> star trek classical star trek's great uh, so there was an episode about like some people being stuck in like hibernation pods and they linked their brain together and they're, they're, they're like their brain was interfacing with an ai that kind of it was basically to keep their brains entertained while their bodies were frozen and um well you know turns out that the strongest emotion of all is fear and this is what manifested kind of like in this this just occurred to me on the fly but i think it's a, this that episode i need to look that up i'll put that in the show notes private citizens not press um i'm gonna look this up on the fly voyager episode fear clown 
that you, yeah, uh, the Thor. It's called the Thor. It is Star Trek Voyager season two, episode twenty-three. Um, it's a great episode. So the the program kind of manifests fear, and um, they're stuck there in 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 there with him, and he actually kills some of them, and it's um, it's quite a hilarious episode. It's actually it looks very much like an original series episode. But anyway, you know that kind of deals with this. You know, the strongest emotion of all is fear. So if you wanna if you figure out that emotionally based writing or or content um gets gets people to to stick with it then then the strongest emotion is the best one and this is why it's kind of crystallized that fear um works and it's you know to to get people to read your stuff and it's kind of like it's not like journalists sit there with many of this stuff right it's not like it's not a conspiracy theory it's not like journalists sit there how can we make people click on this they're just like you know they watch the they write stuff and then they watch the statistics and they see, well, this kind of story worked and that kind of story worked. And then they it's not like they, they think, hey, what's the next story that I can scare people with? They're like, okay, this kind of story works. Now this is happening. So we can concentrate on it and put this angle on it, which tends to be a fear-based angle. I don't think a lot of the journalists doing this are actually reflecting on it, which is part of the problem. Um, actually, um, I mentioned I'm I'm recording this live on Twitch. Uh, El Terrestris Jim in chat is saying, I have the feeling that nowadays it is almost impossible not to doom scroll, regardless of what media outlet you are reading. It's all war, energy crisis, inflation, corrupt or simply useless politicians, possibly nuclear war. We're going to talk about the possibility of nuclear war in a bit, but yes, I think it's 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 very possible not to doom scroll. I haven't like I'm I'm not reading much of the news these days. Um, and um, I mean, I'm going to talk about the Putin nuclear weapon train story, right? And I talked to my wife earlier, and my wife, for example, hasn't actually heard of the story, <laughs> even though it's been all over the news for days, um, because she's just like busy doing science shit, and she just won't waste time on this kind of thing. Which I mean, that that is possible. I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm in the, at the end of the show, I'm going to explain why that is not a. Um, a, uh, a solution to the problem as a whole, it is a solution to your personal problem. And it, it will alleviate um, a lot of stress in your life. So sometimes you just don't, let's just don't do that. Just um, resist that urge. They've hooked you in, right? Journalists with this approach have kind of hooked you in. That's, that's the thing about fear. Uh, fear sticks with you. And if they start scaring you about the war in Ukraine, you're like, you know, every morning you wake up, the first thing you do is you go on the news site, like, what's happened now? How bad is it now? Right? And you need to recognize that. And, you know, that's why I'm doing this episode. It's one of the reasons, because I want to enable you to recognize that. And then you can break through that. It's kind of like, you know, any addiction. It's kind of like, it's an addiction. Um, you can get addicted to fear. They actually mentioned this in the Voyager episode as well, um, where they talk about, you know, fear is, is good. You know, it, it, it has good sides, like in, in evolution, it kind of helps you um, not kill yourself by being careless and stuff like that. And it also, um, people get addicted to it. This is why people do skydiving and, and dangerous sports and all this kind of stuff, right? Or as they say in, Vo in the Voyager episode, holodeck adventures with the safety off. Um, because, you know, that's, it's, what did they say in that episode? Like, it's pushing, you, when you push your boundaries, you kind of push your boundaries of what it means to be human, when you when you when you push against the fear, right? So that's also why it's addictive, and, and you need to recognize that to break the habit, as 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 with 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 every habit. Um, 
Now, um, I mean, you know, Jim says these days, and it's always like, this has always been the case. The, the difference I feel is that a few years ago, if we talked like the 80s, even the 90s, if you did a print magazine, right, or a, a newspaper or a daily TV news show, you had limited responses from your audience. You had people writing in and stuff like that, but like you couldn't directly tell what story people really um, like, you know, the equivalent of quick talk clicked on like why did they keep reading your newspaper why do they keep tuning in at night you had like market research but all of that wasn't as direct so that actually i think made journalism a lot better um, because there wasn't this i'm gonna go into how this is not not all of this is the fault of journalists right it didn't the, the problem is that that we have now is this creates um, a pressure from management right to do the things that work um, which that pressure wasn't there back then because they didn't know that 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 well, and that actually made journalism better because that actually made them, you know, the journalists do other stories than just doom and gloom. They always, you know, you always knew that that worked and like sex sells and all that kind of stuff, but like the direct feedback loop wasn't there, so they didn't know how well that worked. So they kind of still balanced it out. Um, Jim says, "Yeah, I simply stopped reading about certain topics." Yeah, I, I read. A, I like. I completely myself. I switched to like a a, a pull. Like if we if we're talking like you know software development or whatever UX. You know, I'm I'm working on a pull, not a push notification system. Right? I'm not. I don't want like. Um, I go, I go out and I'm like, what happened? And I, I'll get the push anyway. If something like really important happens, you'll hear about it sooner or later. Like you don't even have, I, I haven't watched the daily news on the TV um, in, 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 in over 20 years. Um, and it, it worked really well for me. And I'm, I'm not regularly scrolling news sites um, at all. Um, <laughs> and I've even stopped using things like Instagram because it's basically, they put all the shit in there now. Um, so, um, I'm not scoring Twitter anymore, not in my free time. You know, I'm, I'm like, that's, I do that when I research things. And of course I keep up to date on, on topics and on generally everything, because you kind of have to, if you do a podcast like this, for example, but like I do that on my own time. Right. And it, it takes a lot of, lot of the stress out of it. Um, yeah, anyway, but in the new era, um, journalists with this ability to check in real time exactly what people were doing on their news sites and stuff like that. Um, they figured this out. And so it, it, it really started with Trump, I feel. Um, and, and also with climate change, this is when like, you know, they, they really saw how well these doom stories worked and, and got fooled. I mean, we've seen that before, but that's when it, when it got really bad. And then of course the pandemic, and now the topic is obviously the war in Ukraine, which brings us to the story I want to use as an example, which I think in many ways the perfect example. Um, so uh, earlier this week, uh, we had this, we had the story. Actually, was it earlier this week? Was it late last week? Um, let me just check. Uh, this is from the third. No, that's Monday, actually. German Unification Day. So, you know, earlier this week, uh, we had a story which I think got started on the Telegraph, um, which was a story about 
Vladimir Putin shipping nuclear weapons on a train through Russia to the Ukraine border to possibly uh, have a nuke test to show the West that he would nuke uh, Western, you know, cities and, and you know, to threaten that. Um, which which was a bullshit story from the beginning. Um, so, actually, the first thing I saw about it um, which was, I think, the next morning, uh, was a guy on Twitter called uh, Dr. Jeffrey Lewis, who is a, um, uh, he, he does like, his, his Twitter handle is at arms control wonk. So he's kind of, you know, that's, this, this is kind of th thing. He's a, a professor at uh, Middlebury, at the Middlebury Institute in California. I've actually never heard of that, but like, you know, um, he does a podcast and stuff like that. Anyway, he kind of is in the topic. And he he, was, he did a um, relatively good Twitter thread, which is really just common sense, where he explains that this, you know, somebody taking a photo, photos and video of like a train with armored vehicles on it could be anything. Um, you know, there were, of course, there were launches on there um, that could be used to, used to launch nuclear weapons, um, but, you know, they can also be uh, used to launch, uh, you know, normal uh, conventional ballistic missiles. And that's what they usually used for. And he explains that actually, you know, since the Soviet Union, the Russians had like special train cars to transport nukes. And like this whole, this whole, um, this whole um, idea is just ludicrous. I mean, the, the the I mean, if you just look at it, you know, with common sense, then like that's not how you do a nuclear test, and that's not why you do a nuclear tests. And you certainly don't do a nuclear tests to show that you can nuke somebody, right? In the Cold War, this is I guess this is based on the idea that in the Cold War, you know, when the Cold War kicked off, the Americans and the Soviets, you know, kind of um, battled it out with nuclear tests. But the point there was to show that we have the bigger bomb. Right, and then the Soviet Union, um, very early on, um, I think this was in the sixties. When was this? I'm gonna look this up. Tsar Bomba. Uh, um, Tsar Bomba was. Uh, why doesn't why doesn't say hello? Sixty one. In sixty one, um, you know, um, detonated the biggest nuclear bomb ever, <laughs> and then. That was kind of done. Um, then we all knew that the bombs are big enough that we can just destroy each other or, and the whole planet while we do it. So that's not like, I mean, what you do or what you could do is move um, certain nuclear weapons to the border to show um, that you're ready to nuke another country. But like, this makes no sense when you're talking about Russia. They have ICBMs in silos, right? You can, it's an ICBM. If they want to nuke Berlin, they can do it from Moscow. They, they're scientists outside of Moscow. We know this from the Cold War. You know this if you watched fucking uh, Dr. Strangelove, right? This is not, this is like the reason why this story is so bad and such a good example for this kind of thing is that it's such a bad story. You don't even have to be an expert in the subject matter to understand a that this train could be anything just looking at it and b the whole premise makes no sense right if if putin wanted to escalate 
and show that like that he was he'd go like to a nuclear silo and he'd do like one of these where they do press tours right like kim jong-un when he goes somewhere and just like oh this is our shit and you know this is our new nuclear bomb and look look I, i'm taking a photo with my nuclear this is how you do it right you go like oh yeah uh, putin inspects readiness at nuclear launch control in i don't know wherever krasnoda <laughs> i mean it's this is such a dumb story it is a very dumb story it was immediately debunked by people who know what they're doing um, nonetheless, it was copied by media outlets all over the globe. I have a few links if you go to private citizen press. Got a few links in the show notes. So, first story: The Telegraph nuclear weapons convoy sparks fear. Sparks fears Putin could be preparing to send signal to the West. The Times: Putin quote orders nuclear military train to Ukraine end quote. Why is that in quotes? Uh, how do they know Putin ordered it? How? Vox: The Russian nuclear threat explained. The New Statesman, what could happen if Russia used nuclear weapons? And then the Telegraph doubles down with a column, it's time to call Putin's bluff. Um, that's just, you know, I mean, I write a column in a daily newspaper once a week and people complain when I go, oh, maybe um, paying everything digitally isn't the best of ideas. Then they complain, like they, they complain bitterly. This guy writes a column where he basically tries to escalate nuclear war. I mean... Jesus fucking Christ. So that, that's, that's the situation. That's, that's what we're in today. Somebody, some, somebody in Russia uh, films a train. The international press goes, oh, this might be nuclear weapons. Uh, oh, this is Putin. Putin wants to detonate nukes. Uh, in Ukraine uh, yeah let's all run with it and you know it takes days for the first articles to go Pe first people journalists to think and go like maybe this is yeah this doesn't really make sense the story right why why is this and I mean this is a classic fear based journalism um, story Right. If you write a story, if you're in the middle of escalate, an escalating war um, in Ukraine and you write a story that basically says, hey, Putin is shipping nuclear weapons to Ukraine, we're all going to die, is the implication, then people will click on that. Of course, you, of course they click on that. They don't want to die. You know, this, is, this sounds horrible. Um, so this kind of story works. Um, of course it does. Um, but, but, but why? Why is it happening? I'm, I'm gonna. I've, I've, I've tried to figure out what's going on, and I'm, I'm gonna. I've, I've categorized it into two um, um, problem areas, and the first one I think is not the fault of of the journalists, and I think this is the bigger one. Um, it all starts with um, there, there in, in in news organizations, there are big, big, horrendous pressures to save money. This is because in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, or even before that, people who owned newspapers, so they basically, the people who owned a publishing company, right, they owned the newspaper, so they owned the, the few printing presses, which were hugely expensive, so they were one of the few people who could print shit at, at a, you know, at a, at a, at a, at a, 
publication level way you know you reach a whole country or the, the whole world um there were the people running television stations they owned um a spectrum right they were the only ones who could put tv show on the air or radio on the air and because of that there wasn't that much competition and they made because journalism is a worthwhile endeavor that people are interested in and i believe in journalism right i, I believe strongly i've always believed that against a lot of people at places where I work to telling me otherwise I believe journalism will always be there um, to get informed is just one of the you know the humans are a, a society animal right and and that's that's one of the things that goes with that so I, I think that will never go away um, but they made but things are changing of course always changing and and they used to make a lot of money and then the internet came along and enabled anybody to do this including me just do a podcast I'm doing right now what you you know reaching thousands of people um to do that 30 years ago you needed a radio station to do the exact thing that i'm doing 30 years ago you need a radio station now everybody can do that that means the you know the advertising isn't there whatever whatever means of financing your shit you have the the profit margin took a nosedive and the people that own these kind of companies they, they still want to make that kind of money that they made in the in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. To, so to rescue their like profit margin, there's a pressure to save money. You know, the journalists are fired. Uh, the journalists are still there, are paid shittily. Everybody's paid shittily, like the, the graphic designers, everybody. Um, and they have uh, a lot more pressure to do the same or more work in, 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 in much less time. Um, which leads to you know people not researching anything. It, it used to you know when I when when I was still working in a publishing company, it used to be that people didn't have the time to research anything. Now I don't think they have the time to think. So the Telegraph goes, Putin sending nuclear bombs to Ukraine, and and the, the poor guy working at I don't know the Times doesn't even have the fucking time, and is not allowed by his boss. I mean let's not talk about research that shit he, he can't even think clearly about that shit he's just like immediately rewording that news story and maybe like calling somebody for you know pro pro forma uh you know so we did some research and then they just put the fucking story out and and it gets worse and worse that's not the journalist's fault though right they're just the poor workers that get kicked in the ass from their boss um Astral C says uh, in, in Twitch chat, this is some of the reasons I can't stand push news, never corrected original articles, breaking news, not evolving story integrity for the news side. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is one of the, the situations. I, I worked at a very good publishing company, right? And the company I worked for was probably the best you could work for. And all of that, what I'm talking about today, was the least in effect over there. But even there, I was, because I wanted to make journalism better, I was constantly arguing with people that had something, you know, like ed like um, leading editors and editors in chief. And I was going like, for example, we had an app and we started to do push news. And I'm saying like, you, you push, you push, to, this is supposed to be like a breaking news channel. You're pushing too much into that shit. Sorry, I'm getting agitated. I'm waving my hands around. Um, you're pushing too much into, this is not break, this story is not breaking news. This, like I used, <laughs> when we launched that app, because I was, as you know, I was doing a lot of online, I was working for the website and the website launched that app. I installed it, not because I needed it, because I needed everything we were writing about. I knew everything we were writing about just to dog food, right? To, to look, to see what we were doing. 
and I had to uninstall it after like I think two weeks. I couldn't take it anymore. It was like it was pushing too much news in my direction. I was like, you, you can't do this. This is too much. And and like none of this breaking news, right? In in the field we were working at, there were maybe two breaking news stories a week that I would classify at at, at as breaking news. And we were pushing like five stories a day or something or more. Like it was it was bad. Yes, Astro uh, also uh, comments, which is also true these times. They often don't even have the time for rewording. They're just copying it. <laughs> or have some AI, AI in air quotes, copy it or something. I don't know. I don't know what they do these days. But yeah, it's, 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 gotten, it's gotten to a point where it's truly horrible. Um, a lot of this, a lot of the fault of this lies with the audience. Um, with the internet, you you started to see an audience that is largely unwilling to pay for content, um, right? Where it was normal if you had a daily newspaper, you paid for the newspaper, and then the company also made money by ads and classified ads and all that. You know, the the the, the not only did the ads go away on the internet largely because of companies like Google and market pressure and shit like that. No, people are also not willing to pay. And that's a problem. Uh, and I don't think I really have to explain to you why, because you get what you pay for, right? This is a problem. This causes this crush that causes this these kind of pressures on the journalists, which is why their work is shit. And surprising. You know, if you if you outsource every you know, if you um if you look at um for example, um I think shoes are a good example. If you look at shoes, right? Um and and what kind of qualities shoes had like in the 60s for example or the 70s if you outsource this production to another country and you pay people like like 1% of what they used to get like your product becomes shit to a point where this these days you can't buy almost can't buy shoes that last like they just and we've just accepted this kind of with like journalism we just accept oh I'll just buy new shoes every year um, and it's, it's it's starting with cars now. Like it's horrible. Um, I'm actually I bought some shoes uh, now two years ago um, that I'm very happy with. That I'm if you if you into shoes, uh, they're called Red Wing shoes. They're from the US. They're handmade. They're like three times as expensive as a comparable pair of shoes. Um, but they're like quality. Like even the like I've been walking on them for the better part of three years and the sole is not like the sole on the heel isn't even worn down enough for me to get that replaced usually that happens after like a summer or like a winter if you have winter shoes right uh, of one season i have to do that sometimes earlier with you know this kind of that that's what happens if you do that if you make the whole process cheaper and cheaper your product gets shit the same thing happened with journalism then um because these journalisms, these journalists, these journalisms, because these journalists are not paid well, um, their their editorial offices don't have a big budget, stuff like that. And we now have a situation where the PR agencies, so the people doing PR, which is also includes propaganda if they work for the government, um, they have much more resources than the journalists they supply with information, which you know, resources are power. So this creates kind of like a power gradient where like the PR people have more power than the journalists they feed information to, which means the journalists have no, they can't like the, the PR people can just feed them shit and the journalists have no, they have no, they can, they have no way 
of like fighting that. They, they, have, they don't have time, they don't have money, they, don't, they can't do the work they need to do to check the shit. So they just get shit from PR companies. Um, this is why the press largely now just regurgitates things that companies tell them, right? Um, or the government, right? It's um, They don't have the time or the money to like f fact check, as you would say today, or as I used to say, research things, right? So you get... It's everywhere. Like in the new in the in the IT field, you get you know, Nvidia uh, gives pushes out a press release, and everybody just reports that they don't check. You know, oh, this card is so much faster than the old one. They don't have time to check. Oh, the government says, well, this works. This fights COVID. Um, people don't check. You know, they don't read scientific papers. They don't have time for that. <laughs> so, so you know, this power gradient is also, it's probably the worst, I mean, aside from just the working conditions of journalists, um, the, the, this power gradient is what, what, what destroys um, good work in this field. And, and then you also have an aspect that I think this is something that just occurred to me over, you know, the last few years or maybe a year or two, two maybe, um, I think our lives, um, we also have more pressures in our daily lives. Our life's just gotten more and more complex. There's more and more information just coming in. And I think this leads to um, audiences that are so caught up uh, in their daily lives that they just don't critically evaluate anything anymore. And I'm talking like products, everything, uh, but also news stories, right? They don't think critically anymore and you've always had that like certain people never did that like the normal just i'm just the working stiff people they just basically believed it used to be like this thing you'd like almost a stereotype where like okay these are poor like dumb people they'll just believe what the rainbow press tells them but this is now prevalent everywhere we're talking c-level executives of companies just believing what the you know, as we say in German, the light media, you know, the, the mainstream media says, because it's the mainstream media. And then they also don't have time to check and don't have time to think. And if you listen to this podcast regularly, this is this is kind of where the opposite, this is where the opposite team lives, right? We're the guys, that's what I'm trying to do here. We're the guys trying to think about things. We go like, this story doesn't make any sense. The majority of people reads this nuclear train story and goes, oh my God, I'm afraid. Or like, oh shit. They don't go, this story doesn't make any sense, right? Even if you assume Putin is evil, this doesn't make any sense. Like, the only thing you need to do is, like, think back to the Cold War because the situation right now is, we have is basically the situation that existed at the beginning of Cold, the Cold War, right? So you don't even have to be that old. You just have to have some, have some level of education. You have to, if you went to school, they probably told you about this kind of thing. And you're like, this is not how it worked in the Cold War. They weren't like shipping trains around. And so the, the situation hasn't changed. So this doesn't make it like, I mean, it's a completely different situation, but some things just haven't changed. This is not how it works. This story doesn't make any sense. Right? Um, and it's not even, I don't even expect anybody to take that leap and go, shit, they just want to scare me. I just just that thinking about things this doesn't happen anymore and that's not the journalist's fault but th what that leads to is that when they when journalists write stories like this they don't get massive backlash 
Um, well, they also get don't get massive backlash for reasons that are the journalist's fault, which we get to later. But like that's one of the problems, right? They don't get like they don't. There's no penalties for getting things wrong. Um, they don't even feel bad anymore. Like I used to feel bad. Like it's I don't want journalists to get fired. You know, you make mistakes. You do wrong research. You you don't do enough research. You just like sometimes you just get a story out and you didn't really. Your brain wasn't on. It happens to everybody. Doesn't that's not a problem. But like, I wrote, wrote in an area where there were very specific nerds that, or I still do, that read my shit, and they will tell me I'm wrong. And I've always embraced this. I think this is important to keep you real as a journalist. You, you have to have that feedback. And that makes you feel bad. You're like, shit, I fucked up. And then you have to admit. The important thing is you have to admit that you fucked up. I'm going into German now. You fucked up. And you have to go, yeah, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. Everyone makes mistakes. But I feel bad about that. And I've, I don't see that anymore with most journalists. They don't even feel bad. So there's no, not even that incentive to just check yourself and do things better the next time. That's not, that's not there anymore. Um, then, of course, um, you know, I, I originally put this into this is the, sign, uh, the, the the journalist's fault, but it isn't actually, I think. I think there's a general, fa- I've talked about this before. I did a did a, uh, an episode on the scientific method, and I talked about science before on the show. But, like, there's a, most journalism, most journalism, God, I can't. <clears throat> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's been a long day, but uh, maybe I just need a drink of water or something here. There's some nice sparkling mineral water from my hometown of Duisburg. Maybe that'll get my brain going. Well, um, most most journalists don't know how science works. And uh, I think, I don't, but I don't think it's their fault. I think that is, if you, you know, a lot of these people went to university and unlike me, a lot of these people actually finished university. So if they went to university, got a degree, and don't know how science works, I think that's a problem of the education system, not the journalists. But it is a problem because it means they can't do their job. Um, because if you don't know how science works on a very fundamental level, and we're talking about understanding that anything in science is a hypothesis that at any point can get disproved and there's no I believe or I you know I believe in science if somebody says that they don't know how science works um, they um, or if somebody says it's science no that doesn't mean anything anything is just a theory and it's very very seldom the case in, in, in actual scientific work that you can prove it beyond any doubt and they always somebody comes along and says, well, it's actually, it's like this. So so you have to be flexible in your brain and you have to understand that everything that is currently scientific consensus could change. Um, and that means you can't just go and say, well, it's that's the be all end all. You have to basically um, ask questions all the time. I'm actually going to do a podcast on this. And this is another topic I've had on my list. Um, how how to do that correctly, right? How to always ask the next question, so to, so to speak. But like, that's not a journalism, like a journalist specific problem. I think most people 
these days there's 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 scientists i know scientists who don't know how this works which is scary but like it's it's a big problem if you're a journalist these days because you know we're a professed um science-based a uh, rational culture so our our um go-to argument is all, always well you know the science says this but if you don't understand how the science works um then you can't do journalism also doing proper journalism is kind of like science that's how kind of how you do it like you um you arrive at a conclusion and then you say well that this is the conclusion we arrived at but the point is you're never that true you never go like oh this is definitely how it works right you can you you always have to qualify that either this is like how we think it works or you know um, this is what experts tell us, or this is um, this is my opinion. But that always means it's not an absolute fact. And too many journalists these days think there is such a thing as absolute facts, which I did an episode on. Well, you can find all that on Private Citizen Press. Anyway, that's a big problem. And then the last one is an obvious one. Um, There's also a fall of the internet and 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 social media and all this kind of stuff. Um, it's it's gotten so easy to just descend into your own filter bubble, right? To surround yourself with the same people, um, you know, people from your profession, people who think like you, uh, because like that's natural. That's the people you gravitate to, right? Um, and for most people, I mean, this happens to everybody and this happens in all kinds of professions. Um, and this can lead to problems, you know, if you're like, I don't know, a, um, a woodworker and you're like in this woodworking Instagram group and every day everybody does the thing a certain way. It doesn't mean that's the best thing. But you know, for for normal people, normal people in air quotes, you know, for the majority of people, these kind of filter bubbles are not a problem that threatens their ability to their job. For journalism, it does because um, John, journalists are they basically make their living from being well informed and from their ability to get information all kinds of information and if you're in a filter bubble you lose that um i mean it's it's very obvious if you're a political journalist and you're just in your political bubble then you will never get exposed to other ideas but it's kind of obvious everywhere now um you know journalists lose the connection to a large part of the audience because um you know they're not in their field. I mean, with the with the um, with the pandemic, it was obvious, right? It was obvious that um, almost all journalists were in a kind of bubble where they thought, hey, or where people, the the predominant opinion was um, these these measures that our government is doing uh, are okay and the right thing to do, and um, there was at least another like there was a sizable. Um, segment of the population that was at least as big as this bubble maybe even bigger depend depends on the country but it would would was at least 50 50 um that thought no this is not true but you could see journalists for years fall into the trap where they thought that other uh the other group of people is a crazy minority uh, which was obviously not the case you just had to go outside Stand in the line at the supermarket, and I, you know, I don't get out much. I'm a fucking freelance journalist writing about IT shit. But even I, 
like whenever I do this a lot, like sometimes I would just, I, I just go to a cafe and just sit there, not even to work. Just, I just listen to people. And I, I try to listen to all kinds of people. I try to go to like bars or whatever, like, like, like um, pubs where there's people from like different social strata than me. And I, I just, I just want to know what they, what they talk about, right? That I can't get on Twitter because it gets fucking filtered out of my algorithm on Twitter. Um, on Facebook or whatever, on Instagram, uh, TikTok, which is probably much worse. Um, right? So you can live in these kind of bubbles, but if, if it's your job to, 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 um, to see all sides of an issue, this is like death to you. And this is where we cross over into um, what's actually the journalist's fault. And I think... Not understanding that living in a filter bubble like this is detrimental to your job is definitely a fault that many journalists have. Like, it used to be, like, you used to get taught, probably at journalism school as well, that you need to actively seek out uh, dissenting voices, right? And now it's just, like, nobody does that anymore. And it's, like... I've, I've seen that so often. I've seen that at places where I worked. I've seen that visiting other places, working with other people, um, talking to other journalists, like they, like in, in many, many aspects. I mean, we're, we're talking, we're talking uh, Trump getting elected in the US. We're talking the pandemic, like people who, like the war in Ukraine now, people who, who like so strongly believe a certain... Um, like the the mind blowing thing is not like um let's say we're talking about before the, the Trump's election, right? Um let's say we're talking about um if Trump will get elected or not. Like the 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 mind blowing thing is not that they like that I'm I'm talking to somebody who thought there was no chance in hell that Trump would get elected. They were so convinced of that. That's not even the problem. The problem is that if I tell them, well, this is my opinion, this is where I'm coming from, they think I'm fucking crazy, right? Even though it's just like, in, in, now in Trump's case, it turned out in this case that I was right, but that's not the point. The point is like that they're in a mindset where they, where they, where they're so convinced that they are right and that their opinion is the one all end all then anybody who has another opinion is crazy, even though it's just a, it's a valid opinion, right? These days, it's somebody says, well, you know, the Russians obviously losing in Ukraine and got no chance. And I'm like, I'm not so sure about that. And they're like, you're fucking crazy. Like, they could be right. I mean, I'm not saying I'm, I know everything, you know, the, the Russians could be losing their ass, could be right. But like, I, I, I accept that their opinion is a valid opinion. I, I, I see where they're coming from, and I, I expect, uh, I, I respect those arguments. I'm just saying, I don't think that's right. But I'm like, I know where you're coming from, and I'm not, I'm not saying, well, you are obviously dumb and crazy, and, and that very like this. It's not only like living in a filter bubble and not recognizing how that's the worst thing you could do if a journalist is going so all in into the filter bubble that even the idea that somebody could be of another opinion is just like you could just your brain just can't handle it. That is just 
that I mean, and I've I've met people who are like that. And they're, they're intelligent people, and they're generally nice people, but they're just like, I'm sorry, they 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 should have another job, they should do anything, but not be a journalist because they're obviously not journalist material. What I think. Um, um, and then you know another thing is we currently have a situation where like basically we have a political climate that is one could always say designed to like divide society and it's getting worse and worse and worse and it's also um, uh, a climate where like a huge part of the citizenry and you know no matter what country you're listening to right now chances are wherever you are this is the case to some degree and on different topics but where you are right um, there's a topic and then there's the mainstream opinion and then the other people are just like silenced right um, or they're just, you know, not listened to. Like, how could you even have that opinion? Um, and it used to be that journalists saw their job as fighting this, right? Fighting a divided society like this, especially after the, you know, the experience. You know, in Germany, it was very clear after the experience in the Third Reich uh, with the press. Um, it was very clear to the journalists in the new formed federal republic what that kind of climate does to a society and that we need to fight it tooth and nail but these days journalists even seem to promote this kind of behavior which is ludicrous to me like they're actively trying to divide people uh, instead of calling out how how this happening is, is not good um and something that's mixed up with all of this, um, which which I think is a definite problem, is just like people, and I've, I've known people like this, who are journalists who consider themselves activists. And you have this like rise of activism um, within newsrooms, basically, which is, is even like being taught at J schools now, where it's like, yeah, uh, there, there's some people have the idea that to be a journalist today, you need to be an activist, which is idiotic i mean i'm not even a member of a political party i think if you're a journalist and you're a member of a political party you're doing it wrong and the definition of an activist is that you know that you you believe in a cause and you do everything to see this cause succeed right you decide that i don't know um animal welfare is important or human rights or um or the overthrow of uh, capitalism, or the overthrow of socialism. Any, it doesn't matter. And then you kind of, to more or less, to a more or less extent, devote your life to that. But like the idea is that you are convinced of that, and that you're not like an activist is not actively checking themselves if what they're doing is right. That's not the point of being an activist. Um, the the way you become an activist is you, you you realize that there's a certain issue, you become convinced of a solution of the issue, and then you become an activist. A journalist c can never go past the first step. You can realize that there's an issue, and you can write about it. You can think that the issue is important, but as a journalist, yes, you can even like. Um, you can cross over with an activist when an activist is trying to like we do our best to like inform people of this issue right and i mean it can be something like completely um like 
harmless. Like you could you let let's say we're talking about gay rights. Um and and let's say you became an activist for that. You like it's important that the society realizes um that this issue exists and needs to be aware of this and we need to fight people who who are bigoted against gay people. That is something me as a journalist I completely agree with. I agree with all of that. But if a story comes up, um, I can be sympathetic with that cause, but I need to look at that story critically anyway. But that's not what an activist does. An activist never looks critically at anything. That's not the point. Um, I mean, they can also, but like, that's as a journalist, you can never, like, it's kind of like, I've never understood how some people can be scientists and be religious. I've never, I, I, I've, I've honestly, I've been wrestling with this issue for 20 years, ever since I, well, before I went to university. But like, for 20 years, I've been thinking about this. Um, how can somebody's brain work in a way where they go, well, I'm a scientist, so my mission in life is to always ask, critically uh, ask questions. And and try to further human knowledge. And if some if a question is answered, then I proceed to the next one. And I can never accept that there's no answer. Right? That that is there might be no answer, there might be no way for me to get to that answer. But the the very nature of a scientist is to never accept like there's a question I want to answer it. There's as a scientist, you never go, there is no answer. I can't get this answer. I give up, basically. That, that's not how a scientist works. Now, if you're religious, you, you've accepted that you believe certain things that you cannot prove. Right? That's not something I want to have in my life. But, you know, I, I, I respect people who are religious. I don't mind. As long as they don't go, like, convincing me or other people that what they're doing is great. I don't, I don't care. They can do whatever they want. But I don't understand how you, how like in one part of your brain you can go, oh, I have to ask everything. You know, I have to always push for the next question for the answer. And like, I have to like, if there's a question we can answer, we can't answer. We have to invent the fucking thing to get the answer, right? The people who went, hey, I need to see this under a microscope, but I can't see it under a microscope. They didn't say, oh, I'll give up. I'll just from now on, I believe that the cell looks like that. Or that that molecule looks like that. No, they went and fucking invented the electron microscope. But in religion, you by definition have an you you have accepted at least you know the religions that I've studied somewhat. You know, like Christianity being one. Um, you have accepted that there are not no answers to certain questions, and then you just believe something that is so blatantly unscientific. Which doesn't matter if you're just a private person. I don't give a damn. But if you're a scientist, how, how, how do you get those two things in your brain at the same time without your brain liquefying and flowing out through your ears? I've never understood this. Teresa um, <laughs> Stum says, "Yeah, I also never understood how religious scientists exist. I don't just, I don't, I don't understand that." And then the same way with journalists and, act and activists, and and and. It's not like I don't like those people. I, 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 I know people who are journalists who consider themselves activists. And what they're doing, you know, they have good intentions, right? They, they have good intentions, 
but that doesn't matter. <laughs> that doesn't matter. It, 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 the, the one thing you're doing completely corrupts the other thing. And I don't understand why, why you don't realize that. Um, and, and I don't understand why. Right. Okay. With the religious thing, you might be religious. You might have been born religious, and now you 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 went and become a scientist, and you're a great scientist, and you do great work. Okay. I still don't understand how you can, what you what mental gymnastics you're doing in your head to still be religious, but you know more power to you. Um, you can kind of do that. It works. Right. Let's say you. Um, you're 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 religious and you believe in God and you're Christian or whatever and you do um I don't know what does completely doesn't interact with you do math or whatever. Like that works. Like that's not never gonna you're not gonna mathematically disprove that God doesn't exist. So you know there's no conflict potential there. But like as a journalist and as a activist, like the only way there would be no conflict potential is if like your activism was in a, an area that was so far removed from like let's say you're a, mm, let's say you're um, I can't even find an example let's say you gay rights actor like what part of like they shoehorn that in every kind of I don't know I didn't even know that that, that works like and and all the people I know who are journalists and could consider themselves activists, they write about the stuff they're they're activists about, which you can tell in their fucking writing. I mean, I talked about how journalism works previously on the show, and that everybody's biased and you just can't be not biased. And you know, the way you grow up grow grew up informs how you work, which is why I did that one episode once where I explained all about my childhood and where I come from. But like you can kind of minimize it, right? That's that's what you're trying to do. You kind of try to be aware of your biases, and but these people are completely not aware of their biases. Otherwise, how can they be right about the stuff that they're activists about, right? Um, let's give you an example. Let's say you're a climate change activist and you're a journalist. You're writing about politics, and and climate change comes up. As a journalist, to be a good journalist, you have to be critical, um, even if you personally think that. Yeah, climate change is completely proven. There's no argument whatsoever um, about anything of this. You kind of have to critically ask that every time it comes up in a story. right? You can't just accept things just because they're in the scientific paper. Um, and, and, and if you're an activist, you would think that doing so would actually do harm because everybody needs to fucking know about this climate change thing very soon, as soon as possible. And, and then, you know, we need to do things and change things. Like, you're like, if you're an activist and you're a journalist, you'd look like the worst journalist there could ever be. It's like, it's like you're vegan and you're a butcher. Like it just it doesn't it just doesn't compute it just doesn't work you just can't ah <laughs> oh uh, Jim is obviously a, a scientist says I always had to refrain from making fun of them because I had to work in the same lab yeah yeah it's kind of like yeah I mean you know it kind of works they're mental gymnastics I mean you're a biologist you obviously. Um, have to kind of accept that evolution is a thing. So I think like in Germany, you could be like a Protestant, right? So they wouldn't 
active like even the catholic church he doesn't actively um say that they think that evolution doesn't exist even though they say that everything that is in the bible is true and the bible quite obviously uh contradicts evolution um yeah i i the the, the just before i move on the the most amazing discussion i ever had with a scientist this was a biologist who was religious and we actually had a discussion about religion um and they were making fun about the church in the u.s you know when they have like um um was it uh intelligent design or whatever it is when you basically go well evolution really it's not really evolution it's god right god made all of this and he was like the german he or she um i th actually think it was a woman but i can't i don't even remember in which it doesn't matter anyway um let's let's say she uh she actually said uh you made fun of this and i said but like you're religious like you i mean how <laughs> i don't I, I don't understand in the first place how you can be how you can believe in god and then also like accept evolution but then you're making fun about the other religious people who actually take the stuff that's in the Bible seriously, which you actually should do because you I don't even like my brain just doesn't I don't I just want to shout and bang my head into the wall like humanity is so weird sometimes. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, now we're, we're talking about the agnostic thing. And I think that Jim says as a scientist, you have to be agnostic because you can't scientifically prove that God, God does not exist. But that is the only reason not to be an atheist. Um, well, I, I would say as somebody who's been in historic science for a little bit, there, there's, there's other reasons. Like you could just do look at objectively look at human uh, history and, and 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 well the recorded part of human history and then um you you can see how much damage religion has done and i i'm 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 always at, at parties i'm hoot uh, i'm I, i'm i'm always up for arguing that it was actually the most destructive force religion is the most destructive force in human uh, history but you know that's arguably and and we don't want to i don't want to talk about I, I talked actually we had a discussion about this at some point i remember um but you know uh, there's a feedback episode coming up. Uh, Private Citizen Press. Um, I'm gonna at the end of the show. I'm gonna explain how to send me feedback as well. We'll just go to that website. Go there. Uh, click on contact. Um, you can you can contact me in various ways. Um, we can discuss this on the forum, and I, I'm, I'm happy to discuss this in a feedback episode. But let's move on. Um, so activism. I don't get journalists that are activists. Then then there is the problem that a large number of journalists these days uh, seem to not understand that PR, public relations, which is another word for propaganda, um, referencing Edward Benesia once again, um, so that PR is your biggest enemy and not your friend. And I think this is a, I, I blame this not on the education system, I blame this on journalists, right? Because this is like veteran journalists, probably because they're all fired. Uh, <laughs> um, not educating younger journalists and and basically training a new generation of journalists and then this leads to people just thinking yeah well if if, uh, if they really think that they can take a pr um you know a company releases a product and then give out a press release and you you just write that as news 
and they, they think that that's that's acceptable journalism right instead of maybe asking questions about that product and and the the, the light in which the company uh, um, presents it right which is PR by definition is the best possible light which is not going to be reality <laughs> so you know you're not doing your job um, and I've literally I mean I, I never had formal journalism training uh, but I did went to quite a lot of educa journalism like education um, and I've, I've literally and I'm not joking I've learned more about this from novels by Terry Pratchett who used to be a journalist uh, that, but like that's not like he writes only about that but you know read read um, The Truth uh, one of my favorite novels of all time um, that book teaches you more about journalism than any any, any J school basically Um he teaches you this, uh, among other things, you know that that the PR person, the, you know the work, the, the the person working at the, the PR agency, and I know some of these people, so this is not meant personally, or the people working in the propaganda department of the government, which is the same thing. That you know, a lot of the times now, it's the same PR agency. Um, they're they're the enemy, as far as I'm concerned. They're my enemy. Their job is to get a message out into the public and my job is to fact check as they say to these days that message right my job is to figure out where they're you know lying maybe maybe um massaging the truth because no fucking press release is reality and we all know this you wouldn't you wouldn't argue that right even the people in the pr agencies wouldn't argue that so so why don't journalists these days understand like the problem is twofold the, the there's the problem that i said they don't have time to check but the problem is even bigger because a lot of young journalists these days they don't even understand that <laughs> they, they don't and they you know that's why i always say pr is propaganda and they laugh these people laugh and i'm like no it actually is the guy who invented both wrote a book about it <laughs> What? Seriously? Yes, the book's from 1926. Maybe maybe it's time you read it. Um, yeah. It's unbelievable. Um, and then there is there's stuff like this is this is a, a new development, but you know, um, that I very much blame on journalists where they actively it started with just disregarding parts of the audience. Now they're actively haunting ha haunting? No, hounding them. Um, so you know. Things like Trump voters are all racist, which was in actual news stories. Gamers are dead. Uh, you know, if you protest COVID measures, you are a Nazi or implied, probably not a Nazi, but like a white supremacist. All of this is stuff that happened that, that was in news stories. Some of this verbatim, the gamers are dead thing was a headline. <laughs> it's like basically you're a games journalist and you're actively alienating a large part of your audience. You're sorry, you're a shit journalist. That's like you work in, you know, you work in 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 customer relations in a company, and, and you go, uh, you know, uh, somebody rings you up. You're in customer support. Somebody rings you up and says, "I have a problem with my computer," and you say, "You're a dumb shit," and you hang up. <laughs> like that's the journalism equivalent of that. You're not doing your job. Um, you can be. The, of the opinion that a large part of your audience is dumb idiots uh, and and I, I actually would argue you're hard pressed to find the journalist who doesn't think that 
but your job is to you know for better or worse educate them to inform them like you know there are still the other people and maybe if you do some really good writing you can convince some of the people you really don't like but like to actively just exclude them and even like say well they're bad people and they're um you know it's just like it's just it's like let's that, that's like being a car mechanic and saying well you know i hate drivers they're all shit like I, I constantly have to repair cars because people are too dumb to use their fucking car they can't like use the clutch correctly they can't fuck they constantly run into other people they are dumb they can't drive and that that would be true but then you go Hmm. Okay. So so now I will just manip manipulate their brakes. So when they when they leave the lot, they just die on their way home, and then I've solved a little bit of that problem. That's you know you'd be a very bad car mechanic, and these journalists are very bad journalists for that very reason. And then just the large last point is something I'm seeing more and more as well, which is you know there's a lot of censorship these days, and um, it used to be that there were people usually in the government you know in power that were demanding censorship uh, and journalists uh, it was always the main focus of any journalist to fight censorship because with censorship you can't do your job as a journalist right so you have an inherent vested interest to be against censorship because it pretends it prevents you from doing your job correctly but these days you get journalists who actually advocate censorship because they would like people outside of their bubble or whatever to get censored. And you're like, how can you be That's like, I don't know. That's like your job is to fucking cut meat in a, in a meat packing plant. And you're like actively lobbying for, for, for it to be outlawed to eat meat. Like, why are you even a journalist? Why, why, is, why, you, why didn't you quit your job? Why don't you, why don't you do something else? Like you, you're a saboteur <laughs> at best, you know, it's when you become a guerrilla fighter, um, I, I re I, I really don't get that. I, I don't get these people. And I've, I've, I've talked to these people as well and they don't even realize what they're doing. And like, yeah, the the thing these days seems to be that journalism uh, is okay if it happens to your enemy. No, uh, uh, censorship is okay if it happens to your enemy. That seems to be the, the consensus these days, which you know is bad for our society. But like, if anything, the journalist should be. I just I just don't understand. I, I don't understand these people. I really don't. I don't understand where their um, understanding of their job comes from and what they think a journalist should do. And this this gives a picture that I would broadly, if I had to analyze the last, I don't know, 250 years of journalism, I would do it this way. So in the 19th century, it was assumed, we're talking, you know, the stuff I did in, in, uh, in university, we're talking like, Bismarck's time, like, you know, in the 1850s. Um, it was accepted that journalists were biased, inherently biased, and that was just a thing, and it was clear that they're beholden to a pol certain political view. Um, and we're talking about the time when newspapers were generally owned by political parties, right? 
Bismarck, who was a politician, had his own newspaper where he would write things and, and he would employ people to write things from his point of view. Um, but that was kind of okay because everybody did it, right? That if you weren't conservative, there was like a labor newspaper and it kind of balanced itself out and at least you knew where you were at because you knew the guy writing in Bismarck's newspaper was probably of the same opinion than, you know, Bismarck, who was in Parliament or whatever. Um, and then the 20th century rolled around and then journalists tried to aspire to objectivity, right? Especially in the wake of World War II and the Nazis. Um, it was understood by people who know what they were doing um, and, 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 and thinking about that. Of course, you can never be completely objective as a human being, but you can try, Right. And the fact that every journalist had their different worldview and their filter bubble to a certain extent, even back then, and their opinion, and, and they couldn't completely divorce that and be completely objective was also compensated by still having a diversity in the market, right? So you had left-leaning newspapers, you had right-leaning newspapers, you had center newspapers, you had conservative newspapers, you had progressive newspapers. And so everybody could just read you know, normal people could just read, the citizen could just read a lot of things and then just build their own worldview, build their own view of the world from those disparate sources. But with all the factors that I talked about earlier, now in the 21st century, what we seem to have is first a shrinking competition in the market. Um, we have countries where pretty much any mainstream media outlet is of one polit of more or less leaning to one side politically and you know we, we, you know so you don't have the variation and then you have the situation where anyone who disagrees with that significantly is just cancelled or silenced right if you work at a newspaper and it's relatively progressive leaning and you're somewhat conservative and you try to push like your conservative ideas in then you'll just get you know you won't be able to publish that stuff and and it used it used to be like that now it's actually like the newspaper saying well if you're conservative in this political climate you're basically a nazi i'm that's a bit of hyperbole but you know that's that's where it's going we are we live in a time where games journalists right who have nothing to do with politics. It's like being a fucking restaurant critic. Everybody's political. I understand this. Why this podcast turned into a political podcast. I understand that. But you couldn't be further away from politics, right? And then as a games journalist, you develop this opinion that, I don't know, LGBTQPIA, whatever rights are very important, which fair enough. You know, it's a, that's, that's, a, that's a, um, a cause I understand. And I, to a certain degree, I can get behind that. And, you know, Maybe that was putting it the wrong way. Uh, sorry. Uh, you know, I, I can, I, I, I agree with a lot of that. But when you then put that into your writing and you make it sound like, okay, this is the most important thing, thing about video games right now, right? It's like LGBTQ rights, not the fact that major games companies are like ripping off their customers. They're pushing out games that are buggy, that are shitty, uh, quality they're putting in like gambling loot boxes uh, to fucking ruin uh, kids <laughs> you know like no no none like 
none of that consumer protection stuff is important. LGBTQ rights is most important. And then you get backlash from your readers who go like, we don't disagree with that. And then you publish stories like gamers are dead. That's just like, what the fuck? You completely do not understand what your job is. I mean, I'm, I'm not telling any journalist to shut up about any topic. That's, um, you know, that would be the antithesis of what I just said the whole time. But the, I don't want to silence anybody, but you, you got to understand, you got to, somebody at that fucking pu publication needs to rein it down. Somebody, rein it in. Somebody needs to say, look, guys, it's good that you're setting up for this topic, which is important, but really we should get back to our core topic here and you know maybe write a little bit more about the linux kernel in our linux kernel magazine and and less about the gender of some open source you know maintainers like who the f like it's it's a topic it's a might be an important topic but also we have other stuff to write about like let's keep it real like that's the only thing i want that's the only like just be a little bit reasonable but it it just escalates in all directions and and certain certain opinions are just not heard anymore and there are like they're not they're not they're not heard about in your publication and then if they can up, come up another way they're people actively derided in stories as like you know i don't know bad people <laughs> and like the only crime they have committed is that that they have another opinion Right, like it used to be when you were a journalist, especially in Germany. Um, I, I mean, this is how I still work because I'm very old school. Um, when you write about a crime story and somebody is um, convicted of a crime, until they're actually indicted, uh, and and there's been a lawsuit and the lawsuit's finally over or the, the the appeal is over and this person is actually convicted until that point uh you would always write in a story uh hypothetically about them being the murderer or whatever right you give them the benefit of the doubt um right you'd, you'd give a murderer the benefit of the doubt and until the state finally declared they're a murderer and even then you wouldn't name them because, you know, we assume in Germany, we assume that people can be rehabilitated. That's why we don't execute them and we generally don't put them in jail for life, you know. So, like, you, you do that with a murderer, right? But these days we're in a climate where journalists, um, you know, there's, the, there's an unprecedented, and I've talked about this on the show, there's an, there's an unprecedented law being uh, rushed through the in Eckhart's democratic system that we're all going to die of this virus unless all these, you know, personal freedoms get curtailed. And then people do what in, in politics class in high school they tell you to do. If you voted for a government and they do something that you think is completely wrong, like this, case in point, uh, then the thing you can do is you can... You can um, you know, uh, 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 gather in front of the houses of parliament and you can protest that peacefully, yes, but you, you can make your voice heard. And then people do that and the press goes, well, you know, these are all nutcases because like there's one guy there who is like in the, in, in the, in the neo-Nazi party or whatever. 
And you're like, what happened to giving people the benefit of the doubt? I mean, these people haven't even murdered anybody. They're, they're just on the they're just on the road, shouting, "Hey, our freedoms are important." It says so in the Constitution, and you're like basically publicly shaming them, and calling them like basically putting them in the same camp with with neo Nazis, because they also happen to be neo Nazis at the like what. How did we get here? And 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 why why are journalists driving this? I don't know. But now I'm going to explain to you why this is worse than you think. I mean, we talked about discussed this uh, in in chat already. Got some live feedback, which is which is great. Um, there is a um, there 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 is a um, like there's an approach for yourself. Right, you can go. Uh, this is shit journalism. I'm just not gonna consume that anymore, and that that works. Like that helps on your on a private level. Like that reduces stress massively. That makes your life just a lot better, because you know, like my wife who was doing science and didn't even notice that the world was gonna end because of the train. Like four days later, when the public realizes, hey, that story is bullshit, and then we're living for fear in three days. My wife just didn't notice. <laughs> So she saved herself all that anxiety and fear. Not that she would have that anxiety and fear because uh, she is intelligent. And, you know, one of the reasons why I've married her and, and love her dearly is that she's very critically, she thinks very critically. Like she's one of the scientists who does that correctly. And, you know, she doesn't always agree with me. Far from it, I would say, uh, on political topics, most of the time we do not agree. But, you know, that's... That's how I think how a good um, relationship works. Uh, you know that you can disagree and you you can still love each other. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean that's that that works on a personal level. That that is completely exact, acceptable. Astro says remove all notifications except instant messages and maybe mail. Life is ten times better. I I agree. Like I don't I. I install I I need to like scroll, scroll Twitter regularly for my job, but I uninstalled the Twitter app just so that I don't get notifications. I go there if I need to be need to go there. Uh, I go to news sites if I need to figure something out, and and that's it. That that works great, but that doesn't solve our problem um, because the thing most people don't understand, sadly, is um, journalism is not like entertainment. Journalists don't produce like a thing that people watch or read or whatever, and then then that's that. Um, journalists actually influence history because, especially these days, um, but this has been true since Bismarck's time. Um, politicians, a lot of the times, get their information from the press. I mean, they have scientific advisors, they have other advisors, they have sources. Um, you know, they have. Intelligence services, all of that, but like even the government gets their own people in the government, even people running the government gets a lot of get a lot of their information from the press or filtered through, you know, other people, but it comes from the press. Um, so when journalism fails, there's not only the problem that if journalism is shit now, it can't like keep politicians on their toes and check fact check them, so to speak, and. Um, I always say that because these days fact check is basically the opposite. Some if somebody terms something a fact check, it's probably bullshit. <laughs> it's probably straight propaganda. 
it's what I've noticed. But you know, um, you know, the the press can't do their job. They can't get voters, um, you know, what they voted for, right? They can't, you know, have check politicians if they're actually doing what they're supposed to do. But that's not even the worst of it. Like it means that if the press puts out shitty information. The, the 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 government and and politicians and the government um use this wrong information to make decisions um and 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 that ends up being horrible um just one example when putin after 8 years of war in ukraine at the end of february um went on full invasion mode the uh, leaders of the German government, uh, including the foreign minister and the chancellor, the guy who runs the government, said quite openly that they were surprised by what was going on. So the press was surprised. So I can only understand that, you know, everybody's living in their own bubble. They get their information from the press. They had, and we know today, that they had months of warnings um, of intelligence services, of satellite video images, of tanks, massive tank columns massing, obvious signs that something was going on. Um, so, yes, you can you can on some level be be. No, you can't really be surprised. I mean, how could, can you be surprised if you if you're well informed, and if you're in that position, how can you be surprised? Like, I I don't get it. Like, I don't I don't you you just admitted that that you you your decision making is based on the the idiot journalists who have no fucking idea, right? But like they they are they're badly paid. They've got no fucking time, and they don't have any intelligence services. You at least have the fucking intelligence services. Um, so it's um, the problem here is that journalists really influence what the government does, and if journalism is shit, then this like this like journal journalism provides the uh, the backdrop for the for the societal like for discussions of everything, right? If 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 if, if the press as a whole paints a certain situation as being this way then the public discourse will not deviate from that too much i mean they don't have to agree with the press on everything and you know there are different opinions in the press it's all not that easy but generally if the if the information that is provided which is the job of the press um and of the you know of the pr companies which is the problem but like the the the, the press should provide the good information if that's also shit information, then then our whole society just makes decisions on 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 shit information, right? And sometimes, like like in this case, very obvious shit information. Um, another, to me, for example, relatively obvious example is um, the uh, the predictions of what is, what what climate change will cause. Um, it's not. Like it's if you look at predictions from ten years ago, it's obviously that like for now, for ten years in the future, it's obviously that those were wrong. Um, but 
the that's not being reflected in the press right so this whole fear fear mongering always makes everything look the worst and it it warps it warps reality um, because journalists don't like in a perfect world even in perfect worlds humans are not um per humans are perfect so even if the journalists did the best job they could um you know there, there, there'd be reality and then there's people observing those rea that reality and then there's journalists taking that and and disseminating that to society at large and even if they did the best job they could that would still be warped in certain ways you know for example if 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 80% of all journalists are white male then 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 all of reality will be warped through that lens right so there's always even in the in even if the journalists did a good job and were well funded and 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 could actually do research like the picture they would project towards society of 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 reality as they see it wouldn't be perfect but now they're really shit so that picture is like infinitely worse it's like fucking uh in some cases just warped beyond recognition and society that is dependent on on making decisions in your daily life the government anybody basically because they can't you know you you don't have enough time in your life to just keep every possible aspect of reality under observation so that's what the press is supposed to do like tell you the important things about the 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 the, the facts about the important things which they're doing incredibly badly um right it's like it's like trying to drive a car and somebody's like smashed your windscreen to pieces and you can't fucking see anything um it's that that's the real problem and i think that's why you know there's yes you can you can have and and you should um have like um ideas how to how to solve this for your own sanity right and 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 consume less media or consume it differently i you know I, I, I as a journalist as a journalist i can only recommend that um to 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 consume less journalistic um works which pains me but that's you know the only way I, I think people can stay sane these days um but beyond that we need to solve this problem like i don't know how and i i don't know I, I don't know if it will get solved but I, I i think this is a very important um factor in society um because of this fear-based way of um of doing this job um society is going to shit i mean there's other reasons why society is going to shit but it's making everything worse just making everything worse um terrestrial jim says uh to on the comment to the demos to be fair there were quite a lot of nazi homeopathy nut jobs uh, and so on on the at those demos but as you say that cannot that cannot mean the opinion of the people that criticize the pandemic measure will not be heard. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> I went to a lot of demos when I was a kid, right? And I always went to the 1st of May, like, um, peace, labor demonstration. And there were always a lot of these fucking black block, you know, they were basically just troublemakers, 
right? They were leftist. It doesn't even matter if they're like right wing or left wing. They were just troublemakers. They just wanted to just start shit with the police. It was always the same, right? And then the press didn't report on like this peace demo. You know, if there's a demo and there's like, I don't know, 5,000 people and, and, and 400, uh, 4,600 of them are just like peaceful. And, and, and then there's 400 idiots. Like you'd report on the 400 idiots, right? But you'd, you'd say, well, this was the peaceful demo. And most people there just wanted, were there for a good cause and they did the right way. And then there were some idiots. You can't just go and, oh, they're all idiots. And the press doesn't do that in other situations, right? If there's a football game and, and, and some guy throws, uh, uh, um, a, uh, you know, uh, fireworks, whatever, on the pitch and hits a player in the head and then get injured, like the press doesn't write articles about how all football fans are just criminals or something like that. It's just like, that's not how it works. <laughs> no, uh, and then they, they usually don't do that, and they just do that now because they're they're trying to silence this this group of people, which is I don't I don't know. It's just too much work, I guess, to to actually um, you know um, accept those arguments and 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 you know and and and. You know, it, it's it's too complicated. It's too complicated to actually argue with these people. Like they they they're just not up to the job, right? They're not up to the job of people who think, yeah, this pandemic is bad, but also maybe, um, you know, maybe personal freedom and 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 the rights of citizens are also important. You know, maybe maybe we can we can we can agree that both things are important, and then we need to like discuss um, and and come to a compromise or whatever instead of just blanketly like declaring one side complete nut jobs. Um, and and it's never like the complexity of things is never taking taken into account here. Like you know, there's like yeah, homeo homeopath homeo homeopathy nut jobs. Right. Sometimes they get even, even those guys get attacked in the press. But what the press then in the same article never talks about is the fact that the fucking federal health system of our country actually pays for homeopathy. So it's like the state actually endorses it. Right. Um, and and it would be it would be much more complicated to take that into account and to talk about that. But they don't want to do that. That's too much work. And they, they got a, the, their editor breathing down their neck. And, you know, it's all like it's all a gray zone. It's not all the journalist's fault. That's what I'm trying to say here. Um, but but some stuff is. And there's, there's some, I would even say pathologies, you know, like the people who, are, who consider themselves, who consider it possible to be an activist and a journalist at the same time. Like, that. I don't... Like that, that is, that is definitely a problem. And then the whole like you know the the way newspapers are run is a problem. Like why do they have to make massive um, profits? And and why can't people just audiences finally understand that they need to pay for things 
if they want good quality. And really that our whole society depends on this. Our whole society to some extent, you know, depends on us figuring out a solution or, or, or another. Otherwise we, we are gonna go um, like, we, we're gonna burn. Like if this shit keeps on going, you know, you have like ludicrous stories like the nuke, nuke train and then some fucking columnist saying, oh, that's called Putin's bluff. You know, whatever, let's move on nukes to the border. This this is going to lead to fucking nuclear war at some point. Um, because like, it's, it's bad enough that we have one side where they don't have a free press and 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 the people you know over there are not informed largely about what's going on and they're making bad decisions um but now our side which has a free press um and 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 where people have the ability to inform themselves like the press basically neuters themselves by fucking like you know the nazis at least had to fucking actually the state had to get the press to just you know gleichschaltung to just m- march in lockstep and get them all in on the same page on everything the state wanted to do with massive censorship with like p- killing people with driving people out of their jobs with tr- threatening people and now we have a situation where on some topics the press is doing this i feel i look at it and i go like these are the people these people are doing it to themselves like they're fucking moving in lockstep on a certain topic and they don't even like imagine that that something else could could be true and like the people that read that stuff man i I was at a um at a stack do over the weekend um talking to some friends i hadn't seen in ages and they're like intelligent people and like on the ukraine thing they're just like you know they're just there's just everybody just hook line and sinker swallows what the fucking journalists um uh, right, and I, I just, I the only thing I do in these situations, I always try very, very carefully to just suggest that maybe not all of that is true, and I always say, you know, what's your job? What are you working at? And then I say, you know, look, think back to some news stories, like in the in the um, public broadcasting on TV or in in the newspaper about your job, about your area of expertise, about what you do, and, and then and I'll say isn't that like aren't they writing and reporting ludicrous bullshit on this kind of stuff where like with a guy writing a story obviously has no idea what he's talking about and everybody it doesn't matter what job they have everybody everybody says yeah 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 sure i can't read that shit just like bad and i'm like what makes you think that concerning foreign policy in ukraine these people know better than than those people and some people, sometimes I get them thinking for a little bit. I don't know if it ever works, but I'm like, you know, just just, just think about that. Anyway, that's it for me on that topic. I'm, I'm sorry it's so depressing, but it, it, is a, it is an incredibly depressing topic, I think. <laughs> Speaking of feedback, um, I've, I've talked about feedback a bit there um, before because I think it's very important 
when you work as a journalist and I consider this journalistic work um, because I'm I'm trying to you know produce it under the same principles that I would do any other journalistic work it's very important to listen to your audience and um, I don't want to be like those people who are in their own bubble and I'm I'm in my own bubbles um, and I even though I know that I need other people people who disagree with me to tell me and you know I need to argue with them about that and so I, I call on you to keep me on my toes please go to privatism.press and um, send me some feedback um, as I said the previous episodes I won't uh, talk about any feedback in this episode I'm, I'm still working on like a feedback feedback episode or maybe two and um, yeah I kind of want to do that I kind of want to want to do one of those again so um, please but please keep the feedback coming I'll I'll, um, I'll uh, talk about it if you send me some stuff or you know if it's if it's not for the show you can still send me feedback and I'll, I'll just talk to you you know send you an email or whatever you know, talk about things discuss things I think that is uh, very helpful and healthy uh, and with that I need to uh, talk about the other thing you need to do to save journalism start paying for this shit no you don't actually actually you don't because i think you know actually if you're listening to this you're not part of the problem you're like at least willing to like think about things yourself which is the whole point of the show but i'm still kind of in the same problems any other journalist uh, i need to kind of make money and it's it's not easy and it's gotten a lot harder recently with you know everything uh being three times um the price it was before and i realize it's my profession's fault which i just elaborated um but i'm kind of trying my best to like fight against that so if you want to help uh, you can do so there's a section in the show notes private citizen press uh, called toss a coin to your podcast and has all the details i'm not going to go deeper into that for today uh, I've, I've kept you here long enough i just want to thank everybody who's been helping out so thanks galtaran rodane the insane steve hose butterbeans michael small 1i11g or illic <laughs> sometimes uh lilk lilk <laughs> jonathan m hitai michael mullen jensen jaroslav lichtblau dave jackie place Sandman616, IKN, Bennett Piata, Rizal, Avis, Joe Poser, Dirk Didi, Fadi Mansour, Kai Sears, David Potter, Mika, Cam, Mr. Amish, Indie Game EX, Robert Forster, Captain Eckett, RJ Tracy, Crunkle, Rick Bragg, Ricky M, Barry Williams, Jonathan, Astral C, was in chat earlier, Superuser D, and Florian Pigorsch. And also thanks to my Twitch subscribers, because you know, doing this live on Twitch and had some great feedback um, today, which makes me even sadder that I couldn't do the show last week uh, live because I love this. I love, you know, getting a bit of a live feedback about what I'm doing. So thanks to Mike the Dane, Bacon the Pork, Redeemer F, Galtaran, Jonathan4747, Terrestrious Jim, who was also in chat discussing there, and MTE Sorrow. And I'm also thankful to Bindmark at bindmark.co.uk. British cloud hosting company who provide the servers that enable me to um, 
sent you the uh, audio files. They uh, provide the bandwidth and and the storage free of charge, and it's the only reason I can still do the show. And uh, yeah, that's why I like Mark. I'm not a fan of sponsoring and you know being beholden to companies, but you know it, it isn't a perfect world, and they're kind of saving my ass here every week. So thanks to Mark. and they seem to be good people. It's not like they ever complained about anything. Um, which, you know, that's when I would pull the plug, go, I need to you know, put uh, things where I have control. Well, I, I have control, but I, I obviously need more control. But it's working. Um, and, um, yeah, they're good people. They're doing good thing for free speech and everything. So, Brandmark, check them out if you need some cloud hosting. Um, and that's that's it for the show. I'll be back next week. Um, if everything goes according to plan, I'll be on the road or on a plane, actually, for a bit um, in between. But that shouldn't shouldn't concern you, really. I should be back next Wednesday. Um, there are some strikes right now, so hmm, who the hell knows? But, you know, fingers crossed. And, um, yeah, um, theme song for the show, of course, Acoustic Roots by Raul Cabazali. And I'm going to play you out with a song called Baju... Bayou Moon. I can't pronounce things today. I'm, I'm sorry. Bayou Moon by uh, the Wesley Cousins Band featuring Billy Valentine, which is a great song uh, and um, just lovely. So I'm, I'm going to leave you that. <sighs> Aim to misbehave, especially, especially if you're, uh, if you work in journalism. Actually, for all the journalisms out, for all the journalisms out there, for all the journalists out there, Jesus Christ, I need to quit the show. But before I do that, and before I play the song, I'm going to play the speech again by uh, Malcolm Reynolds from the film Serenity, uh, written by the great Joss Whedon. And this is something every journalist should also um, take to heart. Maybe print it out and put it over your desk. This report is maybe 12 years old. Parliament buried it, and it stayed buried until River dug it up. This is what they feared she knew. And they were right to fear. Because there's a whole universe of folk who are going to know it too. They're going to see it. Somebody has to speak for these people. Y'all got on this boat for different reasons. But y'all come to the same place. So now I'm asking more of you. Than I have before. Maybe all. As sure as I know anything, I know this. They will try again. Maybe on another world, maybe on this very ground swept clean. A year from now, ten, they'll swing back to the belief that they can make people better. And I do not hold to that. So no more running. I aim to misbehave.
is to breathe. 